Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I just received a, a letter from the Police Complaints Authority and it was a very short letter, it was half a page. As far as I remember now back then, I, I remember reading this letter and it said something like, there's no evidence whatsoever of police involvement, blah, 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 something like that. 30 years ago, a private detective was brutally murdered and it still hasn't been solved. I'm Peter Jukes and I'll be exploring how one man and his family began to unravel the truth. Untold. The Daniel Morgan murder. If you haven't heard this story, ask yourself, why? Welcome to Podcast 6. Last week, we hit a bit of a roadblock. The first investigation into Daniel Morgan's murder had included arrests of his former business partner, Jonathan Reese, and Reese's good friend, Detective Sergeant Sid Fillory. The second investigation the Hampshire Inquiry had arrested Reese too and indeed charged him and then suddenly dropped the charges for lack of evidence. We're still assessing the first case on behalf of the Police Complaints Authority. Hampshire had concluded there was no evidence of police involvement in the first murder inquiry. Well, for most of the rest of the 90s, for the Morgan family, nothing happened. Alistair and Christine described these as the wilderness years. But hold on, let's wind back a moment. There is another thread I touched upon and I haven't looked at properly and promised I would. Let's go back and look at that other violent death in the summer of 1987. That of another Welshman, Detective Constable Alan Holmes, nicknamed Taffy. Daniel and Taffy occupied the same small circle of police and private detectives that mixed in the pubs, courts and police stations of South East London in the 1980s. According to Jonathan Rees, in a News of the World article, Daniel and Taffy were as thick as thieves. To help us unravel this a bit, let's talk to a friend of Taffy's and someone who knew Daniel Rees and Filler in the 80s as well, former Detective Constable Derek Haslam. Well, we've met him before. In Podcast 3... Alistair first encountered him in a pub with Jonathan Rees in his first meeting with his brother's business partner since the murder. We also heard from Derek in episode two, do you remember, when he claimed a few weeks before the murder that Taffy Holmes had told him 
did important story of police corruption. He was selling to the press for a lot of money and that Daniel was doing the negotiations. He said he'd had him and Daniel had got a story that could be worth £250,000, which didn't make sense at that time because even the News International wouldn't have paid that. But this was to do with importation. I think it was £100 million worth of cocaine from Miami into the UK in four loads that would be overseen by two corrupt senior customs officials and three corrupt officers, senior officers at the yard. So, according to Derek's memory, Taffy was thinking he could sell this story for £250,000. But according to another witness who spoke to Daniel, the amount was £40,000, and he was selling the story to News of the World. Well, that sounds more plausible. When, a few weeks later, Derek heard about Daniel's murder, he forgot about this conversation, and his immediate suspicions fell on Jonathan Rees. Rees had been quite derogatory about Daniel prior to this uh, he was quite openly trying to at one stage trying to find someone to breathalyse Daniel to get him because uh, he thought that would put him off the road and slow him down A few weeks later Derek remembered that casual conversation in the curry house with Taffy Holmes and that Daniel Morgan was negotiating the price for this story of police corruption So Derek called up the head of the murder squad someone he knew and had worked with Detective Superintendent Douglas Campbell and repeated what Taffy had said. I was told that uh, Daniel might be trying to set a story on high-level police corruption. And I said, I was told they were trying to hawk it for £250,000. So I don't know if he's got any relevance, but I'm just telling you in case it fits in with anything you're following up. And uh, he thanked me, he agreed that the sort of sum of money, no newspaper paying anything like that for a story. And I didn't name Holmes, obviously. So, so that's how, how it was left. Well, if Taffy had a story of police corruption, where did he get it from and what was it about? Well, this was his job at the time. Taffy worked in a serious crime squad based in central London that investigated major cocaine importations from Spain to the UK. It was a sophisticated DEA, Drugs Enforcement Agency-style operation, which involved Air Force and Navy, as well as police. It was called the Collection Plan. If police corruption was involved in this, a multi-million pound cocaine importation, as Taffy claimed, I'd say that's a big enough motive for murder. And incidentally, there is evidence to suggest that part of Taffy's surveillance was targeting one of the Vian brothers. Meanwhile, Derek had his own separate area of interest based in South London, involving some amphetamine factories and the violent death of a drug dealer who'd been decapitated when thrown out of a car. Further to those inquiries, in the spring of 1987, Derek arrested one of his amphetamine dealers, Raymond Gray. And this is where things take a tragic twist, because Raymond Gray made claims of police corruption about someone very close to Taffy, a very senior officer, his ex-boss. Eventually arrested Gray with three and three quarter kilos of uncut amphetamine, and uh, he decided on the strength to turn him into an informant. He agreed to work. Uh, because of this, he was a prolific chatterer, so the best way to interview him or debrief him after he'd agreed to act as an informant was by fire tapes. So there were five tapes in all. 
uh, basically why there were five tapes because early on he, he insinuated and was quite serious that there was a senior police officer at Scotland Yard that was his worry about being an informant that could disrupt the operation perhaps even uncover him so it was rather essential we find out if possible who this corrupt officer was the amphetamine dealer Raymond Gray turned informant for the police made five tapes on that fifth taped interview to the shock of the detectives debriefing him Gray made allegations that a very senior officer had been involved for years in taking bribes changing statements and perverting the course of justice he named that senior officer as Commander Ray Adams. Commander Ray Adams was a handsome rising star. According to reports, he was the youngest ever commander at Scotland Yard and with a flair for intelligence gathering and handling informants. By now, Adams had just taken over as head of the Criminal Intelligence Unit at Scotland Yard, a very senior post which he'd taken, according to Derek, under rather strange circumstances. At this time, Ray Adams was the commander in charge of C-11, which was basically a unit that dealt with serious criminals and criminal intelligence, so all covert operations would go across Ray Adams' desk. He'd got the job in a strange circumstances because originally when the job became vacant, Thelma Wagstar, who's a respected female officer, uh, and a command and had done a lot of work on rape suites and things like that and uh, raising awareness of, of women's issues. She'd been given the job, I was told, basically because one, she was very good and two, she wasn't a Freemason. She arrived to take the job off of criminal intelligence in the morning with her boxes, started to unpack and by lunchtime she was told that she'd been assigned to other duties and Ray Adams was shoehorned directly into the job. Taffy had told me how you know, pleased Ray Adams, that had been his lifetime you know, ambition to get to head of C11, because it was like being given the keys to the sweet shop. Let's be clear, these were allegations only against Ray Adams and not substantiated. But this was just weeks before Daniel's murder. Laurie Flynn, the author and investigative journalist who co-wrote the book Untouchables, actually went to interview Thelma Wagstaff several years ago, and he describes her account of this as one of the most chilling moments in his extensive research of this saga. There was a huge scandal brewing, and a number of very senior officers decided that they could no longer have a head of intelligence who had any Masonic links. So Thelma Wagstaff, a woman who could not therefore, thankfully for her, join the Masons or join the, the mafia of the mediocre that, uh, that is, the, is the Masons inside the police force. So she was given the job to be head of, in, of all criminal intelligence. Uh, she didn't even make it to the end of her first day before she was mysteriously removed and replaced by one of the most problematic officers in the entire history of Scotland Yard, Raymond Adams, Commander Raymond Adams, who had already been severely compromised on a number of occasions over Brink's mat and over other matters, uh, and who, while he boasted to the Stephen Lawrence inquiry that he was one of the most decorated police officers in the land. He's also one of the most investigated officers in the land. 
So Commander Ray Adams was a powerful and influential figure. However, when Scotland Yard's Internal Affairs Department, the Complaints Investigations Bureau, heard of Gray's allegations, they took them seriously. They wanted to talk to Gray themselves. Perceptively, Derek didn't think there was much chance that a drug dealer's word would stand up against the word of a Met commander. Besides, he wanted Gray to help him bang up some bad guys, i.e. drug dealers. Equally, at the end of the day, you're a convicted criminal. You've just been arrested for drugs again. He's a commander. I said, nobody's going to believe what you tell him anyway. So I said, I said, really? I said, you'll probably muck up my job and they will offer you all things and uh, incentives to work for them. I said, but uh, it's, I said, but it is your decision. I leave it, it totally up to you what you say. And he said, in that case, quotes, I'll tell them, fuck all, I'm not interested. So I said, it, it's your, whatever you tell them, it's up to you. So I took him in, booked him in, went and had a cup of coffee, then had another coffee. And about two hours later, he walked out. So we didn't say anything, but we walked out, left Tintagel House, walked to my car in the car park, and I turned to him and I said, but someone was going to say, you weren't interested in health, and I said, it took a long time to say no. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The amphetamine dealer turned informant, Raymond Gray, did cooperate with the Met's Internal Affairs Department. And a massive operation, Operation Russell, was launched to investigate multiple claims of corruption against Raymond Adams and other senior Scotland Yard officers. 
Almost immediately, because he had elicited the confession from the informant, according to Derek, he became a target of Commander Ray Adams. I had been approached by an unknown person of short name that told me that he wants to arrange a meeting. Ray Adams wants to meet me and listen to these tapes that the informant uh, made. I said, now, that seems totally unethical. I said, for someone, a commander, who's clean as a driven snow, to want to enter into this arrangement. I said, I'm not in the habit of doing it. I said, but if it, if it speeds up your investigation, expedites it, I said, I'll, I'll meet him and wear a wire. I said, it'll be all sorted then for you. Because as soon as he agrees to the meeting, technically he's disciplined. Oh, uh, no, 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 we don't want anything, we don't want that. My view was that they were handed a complaint and they were working to how they could destroy the essence of that complaint. So here comes the tragic twist of torn loyalties. Taffy was friends with Derek, but he also admired former boss Commander Ray Adams. Whether on his own initiative or forced, Taffy started to make approaches to Derek on behalf of the commander. Derek tried desperately to tell the Welsh detective to keep out of it. Taffy Holmes was then being asked to pass on the threat. He's a commander, he's amazing, we've got to help him. Uh, and I just kept saying to Taffy, nothing will happen. This invest, this complaint will go nowhere because of Ray Gray is a convicted criminal. There's no, he's going to show the veracity. He's only going to trust him. End of, and that will be the excuse for closing it down. So I said, so Ray Adams would be better off staying out of it. And when I say this, I'm not, please don't think, that I'm qualifying or or uh, accepting corruption. What you do learn is that there's nothing you can do about corruption uh, unless it's really outrageous corruption where they're forced to deal with it. If you raise the subject of corruption, you would be writing your own suicide note. The stakes were mounting. Derek realised that his career could be in jeopardy because, as he told the Internal Affairs Department, Commander Adams had accessed his personnel files. So I told him that. I think the file was found in an anteroom outside. Why he would want my file doesn't make sense. I said he's drawn my personnel file. He wants to put a, a retrospective derogatory comment in there to give some reason why I might be getting an informant to badmouth him. The stakes rose even higher since Derek wasn't responding. Taffy started conveying much more personal threats. And he's told, if you don't help him, something horrible, nasty will happen to you or a member of your family. That's yeah, right. that's, that's what he said family. in front yeah. of Gene Burgess. And he then said, he paused and said, and if you get any, if you're thinking he, if that happens, something will happen to Ray Adams, he said it won't because, believe me, it'd be a million miles away when it happens. Derek never told the Internal Affairs Department about the threats Taffy was relaying. But the information did make its way back to the officers mounting the internal investigation. They approached Derek, telling him to pass on a message to Taffy. I said, I've got something to tell you, Alan. I said, you're not going to like it. I said, no, I shouldn't be telling you this. I said, but I had a phone call a couple of hours ago, three hours ago. I said, from D.S. Turrell to Tadgill House. Uh, he's passing on from uh, Assistant Commissioner of Winship. 
and that message is that if you don't contact him by Sunday at the latest at two o'clock he's going to, you're going to be arrested in front of your wife and children in Shirley on Monday morning for corruption I said I don't know what you're involved in who you're involved in I said what's more I wasn't really interested I said but what I would say to you is as I told the person that asked me to pass this message on I shouldn't be being asked to pass this message on it should come from your senior officer I said and like anybody else I said before you do anything I would speak to your own senior officer I said also seek legal advice Taffy gave himself in to the internal affairs department they wanted Taffy to implicate his former boss, Commander Adams. Taffy was under great pressure. He didn't want to cooperate. About that time, another detective, codenamed OJ, somehow convinced Taffy that he had been betrayed by Derek and it was all Derek's fault. By now, Derek had moved his family out of London because of the threats. Alan Holmes had gone uh, to meet Ray Adams ostensibly he was on the golf course shooting bunny rabbits and he got the shotgun. But I also know for a fact that after he had been sufficiently wound up by OJ, Derek's done you. He's the one that's done it. And he turned up, I'd left, but it's a neighbour, ex-neighbour, told me that a man fitting Holmes' description had turned up, carrying what appeared to be a shotgun, asking him me. This same shotgun, though never used on Derek Haslam, was used again within days. On the 28th of July, 1987, Taffy's wife came downstairs to find her husband's belongings laid out on the dining room table and a note. She opened the curtains to see her husband sitting on his chair in the garden, a shotgun by his side, killed by a fatal gunshot wound to the chest. I walked into Addington Police Station and someone said, have you not heard? I said, heard what? I said, Taffy's killed himself. He said, I shouldn't tell you this. He said, so you're mentioning a suicide note. His shotgun was laid under his, his right arm, like that. Shot himself in the chest. But straight away, this isn't really true. As policemen, most policemen have been to suicides that have gone wrong, possibly involving shotguns, worldwide. If a policeman commits suicide, they eat the barrel, put it in their mouth. They don't shoot themselves in their chest because so many things can go wrong. So according to that, Alan Holmes has gone out to the garden with a full-length shotgun that he's fired, pulled the trigger with his toe, with the gun pointed into his chest, and kinetic energy is not being used, not in operation that day, because instead of a hot, unsecure sort of shotgun will either catapult backwards or forwards, but it's most unlikely that someone's grip would be sufficient to let it just slip under their armpit if it's a 12 ball, which I was told it was. At this point, everyone was blaming Derek for the suicide. And I'm told that, and I think I've read it in the press, that Taffy's colleagues are up in arms, he's been hounded to his death and that a complaint's been made just about CRB2 handing him to his death and what have you. The papers are full of it that I've that I've named him. I, I did a Serpico. I think I was a mention of that Serpico has him in the suicide note. 
Frank Serpico was the famous whistleblowing NYPD cop played by Al Pacino in the movie of that name who was shot because he exposed police corruption. Every copper who knew Taffy now had a reason to believe Derek was behind the suicide. He was in great danger in London. He couldn't attend Taffy's funeral. He and his family were soon relocated to Norfolk in the countryside under a form of witness protection and he would soon leave the police force altogether. However, Derek never forgot about the connection between Taffy Holmes and Daniel Morgan. When both their inquests were over and a second murder inquiry was launched, he made contact with them and with Alistair Morgan. Derek Haslam rang me after the inquest and that the first time I ever heard the suggestion that Daniel's murder was linked with Alan Holmes' suicide mm. came from Derek Haslam. Right. who rang me after the inquest and said, I'm a Freemason and I believe that your brother's murder is linked to the suicide of a police officer called Alan Holmes. And I was very, very suspicious at that time mm. of what he was saying. Mm -hmm. And I thought I'd met him in the company of Jonathan Rees before, before the inquest. And I was thinking now, who are, who is this man? Uh, what's why is he saying this to me is he trying to throw another red herring into the yeah. pond and I remember ringing the murder squad and one, one of the officers whom I spoke to said to me I, I distinctly remember this we are still trying to establish whether they knew each other really so they were still looking at whether Daniel and Taffy knew each other over a year since both had died they still hadn't found conclusive evidence either way. Well, is it just me or is there something strange about this? Couldn't they find anything to corroborate Derek's account that they were mates and, of course, Reese's claim they were as thick as thieves? Or were there other reasons why the Met wanted to keep the two violent deaths of Taffy and Daniel apart? We'll come back to Derek in a minute, but let's catch up now with Alastair and Christine as they go through the wilderness years after the Hampshire inquiry came to nothing. Alistair studied journalism at Farnham College before he moved to London with Christine, where they began to make some painful but slow progress. Duncan Campbell from The Guardian, during the course of my studies, I went up one evening, he asked me to come up and see him at The Guardian, and I went up there and we had quite a long chat together, and he was interested in what I had to say, which was very encouraging, and then some time after that, not long, in August, he wrote a big piece in G2 in The Guardian about the case. And I was absolutely overjoyed about that because for the first time in seven years, somebody in the national press had taken an interest in the case. But it took that long. The article was front page of The Guardian's G2 section on the 13th of September, 1994, called Murder in the Car Park. The piece shows that Duncan Campbell did go to Jonathan Rees for comment. He said, When we telephoned Jonathan Rees, who still works for Southern Investigations, a man who would not identify himself rang back and told us we were harassing him and we would be reported to the press council. The fact that a reputable journalist from The Guardian had written a big article about it gave me credibility, you know. 
or it took a very long time. I think it was helpful that when he moved into my flat, I live in Islington and our MP was Chris Smith, whereas before when he was in Hampshire, his MP was Michael Mates and I don't think had that level of interest. But Chris Smith was a very good constituency MP and he made time to see everybody. So our Friday nights were not a bundle of laughs. Chris Smith went on telly with me once when, when I, I did a demonstration outside the Police Complaints Authority, like a me and my mother alone demonstrating about police investigating each other. This constant campaigning and attempt to get better press coverage seems to have caused Alistair and Christine some grief. So I was lying on the sofa reading a book and the phone rang. It must have been after midnight and I thought, oh, you know... Uh, Who's ringing me after midnight? This is something serious, you know. So I went, I went and picked up the telephone, you know, in some anxiety, you know. And uh, there was a woman on the other end of the phone. Uh, she had some mock Italian accent. She said, we are going to kill you like we kill your brother. So obviously he's agitated and distressed about this. And I remember thinking how strange this was at the time. Is what, what would any normal person do at this point? Is call the police. He was, in the early years, very scared that something would happen to him or someone in his family. I thought that was unrealistic, unlikely and paranoia. But then he would say, they killed Daniel for knowing this. The police took the death threat seriously enough to move the couple to a safe house which was so grim and remote that Alistair and Christine decided to take their chances back home, where they continued with their campaign. Looking back, it feels as if we never really got anything useful out of anything, but that's maybe harsh. Chris was really trying to do his best. And what it did prompt was a series of meetings with police officers. It felt like we spent several years going up the chain of seeing very, very junior police officers to the next level, to I'm no good at divisions of who they all were, but each time it seemed to get higher until eventually in 1997 that led to a meeting with the commissioner. Just before that meeting with the most senior police officer in the land, three important things had happened. It was now 10 years since the murder of Daniel Morgan and still no one had been brought to justice. The second important thing was that in May that year, New Labour, led by Tony Blair, had won a landslide election victory, bringing to an end 18 years of Conservative rule to the tune of Things Can Only Get Better. And Chris Smith, the local Member of Parliament, became an important Cabinet Minister. A new dawn has broken, has it not? The third important thing that happened was that the Chief Commissioner of the Met, Paul Condom, had gone on the record admitting there were up to 250 corrupt officers in the Metropolitan Police. Now, this coincided with the revelations of a certain Duncan Hanrahan. He is a detective we've met who first investigated the Belmont car auctions way back in Podcast One. Hanrahan had also given evidence at the inquest, you remember, in Podcast Four, about Reese trying to undermine the first murder inquiry by leaking materials about their senior investigating officers to the press. Hanrahan was a familiar face on the South London police circuit. He was good friends with Fillory, with Reese, and with Ray Adams. In 1994, he was arrested for several charges of corruption, including robbery, 
supplying of drugs, and perverting the course of justice. By 1997, he had turned into a supergrass. And according to a documentary of the time, he had important evidence for the Daniel Morgan murder inquiry. But now there have been several breakthroughs. The Metropolitan Police Chief, Sir Paul Condon, has pledged to combat corruption in his ranks. Last year, a detective was jailed for selling information to criminals. This year, a colleague of Sid Fillory's ex-detective, Duncan Hanrahan, has turned supergrass and is being questioned by anti-corruption officers in Scotland Yard. Police sources indicate he has information on the Daniel Morgan murder. Derek Haslam, now retired from the Met and living in Norfolk, heard about these breakthroughs and he also had information on the Daniel Morgan murder. Some, I've been around about 1997, 98, a uh, article appeared in the National Papers and it was concerning the reopening the Daniel Morgan murder and there was a number there and I just rang it. I said nobody ever sort of looked at that, seemed to have looked at that angle that Alan Holmes and uh, Daniel were trying to sell a story to the press about police corruption. And he says, look, I'm going to ring you back. And he rang me back. He said, look, someone I want you to meet. Would you be willing to meet this person? So I said, well, who is it? So a member of the investigation team. He said, well, let's put it this way. He says, not so much a policeman. Think in terms of perhaps a spook. So I got my son to drop me off. Joined him. I was introducing this. This is Dave Wood. So Dave would said, what do you think about what happened? He said, first of all, he said, I'd say to you, I can only apologise on behalf of the Metropolitan Police for the way you were treated oh, in that matter. He said, you were really badly served. When we talked about Holmes, he said, I have to tell you, he said, the Holmes suicide is now being investigated at best an assisted suicide, but possibly a murder. He was able to tell me he said it had been confirmed that they'd been seen at a newspaper. They, they have confirmation that the pair of them and Holmes was taking a back, very much a background seat and appeared a bit worse for wear for drink. And it was Daniel that was doing the hard negotiation. I think it was mentioned that it might have been news, news of the world. He said, do you think it would be possible? Is there any possibility that you could... Uh, inveigle yourself into Reese's sort of confidence. So sort of possible, I said, uh, I could try. And so began the third Daniel Morgan murder investigation. Join us for episode seven, where we'll cover that, Operation Nigeria. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, listen on the Acast app, or visit untoldmurder.com. Episode 6 was produced by Peter Jukes and Devia Mayer. Soundtrack by Shemeli Mayer. A Flame Flower Duende production. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.